there was a moment where I realized that I deserve to be seen as myself. Fabulous to meet you. Genevieve. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited also. I saw you in a Facebook group and I said to myself, that woman looks so interesting. I have to meet her. And then I lost you somehow. I I couldn't remember your name. And then somehow you came back to me. And so it is serendipity. This meeting was really meant to happen. I know nothing about you. You know nothing about me. (laughs) Tell me how you pronounce your name. Genevieve Viancourt. Oh, I see. So it's French. It is. Yeah. I don't actually speak French. Uh, fluently myself um but it's a french name are you canadian i am canadian yeah i live in georgian bay ontario canada it's fabulous to meet you honestly thank you so much again for your time thank you so i'm just very curious uh, i mean you look different um so that attracted me for the first time and i thought oh it's so interesting and i just love how you're leaning into who you are and you're just so absolutely fabulous also you are doing important work in the world and I want to know about that how your life has been what it's like to be you what it's like to be a big question isn't it (laughs) right it's great (laughs) um so I guess I'll start by saying I'm I'm a woman who has polycystic ovarian syndrome uh, which one of the symptoms of that is hirsutism which is excessive growth of hair um, in typically male parts of the body. So I grow this beard. Um, that's, uh, it's been a struggle for me. It started at 16, I would say. And, um, you know, it's, I'm 38 this summer. Right. And so it's taken me about 20 years to work through um, a healing journey of being able to fully accept myself as I am. Um, I've kind of, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that come with PCOS and hirsutism is just one of the, of the symptoms of this. Uh, and there are, it affects between one in 10 and one in 15 women of childbearing age worldwide, which right. is a massive amount of women. That is a uh, lot. All across the world. Um, I think the research on hirsutism alone, like, is is about one in 14 women experience facial hair or excessive growth of hair on their body. And as women, we are trained through society, you know, through societal norms and through our social conditioning to totally reject these parts of ourselves. And then to kind of fuel, you know, that rejection, it's, it's my experience and the experience of a lot of my people that I know um, that, you know, we experience bullying for these things, uh, which then just creates further shame and self-hatred. And so the work that I'm doing is uh, with myself first um, to get to a point where I was able to fully accept myself as I am um, and be strong enough and have the tools to be brave enough to bring that to the world in hopes that it will help other women accept the parts of themselves that they've also been taught to hide. Absolutely. So before we carry on with the sort of physical side, tell me more about the condition. What are the other kinds of side effects that you have to deal with? Yeah, so with PCOS, um, the the big ones are 
um, cysts on your ovaries. And now here's the thing with polycystic ovarian syndrome, I kind of look at it like it's um, an umbrella term. Right. There are a lot of symptoms and um, we don't all, everyone who has PCOS doesn't have the same symptoms. It's like, you can have a combination of all of these like things that come down off of this umbrella. So um, a lot of them have uh, cysts on their ovaries. Um, Hirsutism, mental health challenges because of all of, you know, the um, hirsutism, but also uh, excessive like weight gain um, really quickly. Uh, PCOS is a hormonal imbalance. So basically anything in your body that's affected by your hormones is affected. Um, people thinning hair, I'm starting to experience that now where my hair is, I used to have really thick hair, but now it's getting really thin and surprisingly my beard's getting really big, (laughs) kind of like a switch. Um, Infertility is a big one that a lot of women with PCOS struggle with. I was going Uh, to ask, yeah. Yeah, irregular and painful um, cycles is a huge or totally non-existent. Right. Uh, with me, I struggled with infertility for about eight years before I was able to conceive and, and birth my son. Wow. A little miracle. Yeah, definitely. What's his name? His name is Duncan. Duncan. And how old is he? He's three now. Oh, what an amazing age. Yeah, it, it is. I'm just, I have a, I have a 17 year old also who I met when she was two and a half, um, but like carrying him and, and birthing him and you know, having him right from day one is just a totally different experience. Absolutely. And so tell me, what what was it like going through puberty then? Because obviously you didn't have the hair as a child. It just kicked in at puberty, I would have thought. Yeah, uh, it it started at about 16, I guess. It just kind of started with like long sideburns. It would start like creeping down. Um, I, I think it was into my 20s that it started kind of at the bottom here. So I would say it like slowly was like, I'm going to be a beard. Um, then, and I, like I said, got bullied in school um, because of it, you know, that was in the nineties. And I know bullying is still, still a thing now, uh, unfortunately. It really is, isn't it? It's, it's just one of the yeah. most awful things about schooling and I just wish that we could do something about that. So did you know that you had PCOS before puberty? Did it manifest in other signs first or was the hair the, the first sign for you? The hair and the lack of a cycle. For me, all of my girlfriends had, you know, started their cycles when they were like young. And then by 16, I, I was like, mm, I still don't have a cycle. Um, and then I, so I actually went to the doctor and, and inquired about it. And at that point, um, you know, my small town, older cisgendered male doctor was like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that and totally dismissed it. Is that so? It was, it was into my like early twenties that, um, it was actually one of my cousins had gone to, um, a different doctor in a, in a much larger town. And, and after her appointment, she messaged me and said, Hey, um, here's, here's what happened for me. And I think that you might have this. And then I started doing my own research. I am a researcher by heart and I started learning myself because the medical community is not very knowledgeable about PCOS. I think we're just starting to kind of open that up and and get that knowledge happening. And was it a shock when you found out about it and they explained what it meant? How did you feel? It 
it was a shock. It was, it was nice to have something to kind of be like, oh, okay, that's why, that's why this is happening. Um, but at the same time, what they, the typical experience when you speak to a doctor and get diagnosed with PCOS is they say two things, they say three things, lose weight, get on birth control, and you're, you may not be able to have kids. Those are the three things. It's like, so you can imagine leaving that with those three informations, like I'm fat, I'm never going to have a baby or be a mom. And you want me to go on birth control. But at that time, like, I, I mean, I, I'm a lover of women. I, I don't need birth control. Uh, and all of the side effects of that, I did, I did try the birth control for a few years, but I mean, I'm pretty natural myself. So I quickly was like, that's not for me. Um, and it, it, so that was scary to, you know, the impact thinking about really for me, it was, it was the possibility of never being a mom. That was really like hammered in, um, especially with the lack of a cycle for me. Imagine. Uh, so yeah, it was really scary. It was really sad. It was like you question, you know, I've questioned myself as a woman, like, am I even a woman? I have, you know, this beard, which is typically male and no cycle and may never be a mom. It was, it's a lot of like shame and scared and isolation really, because these are typically things women don't talk about. So they wanted you to go into birth control so that you didn't have children because you would pass on the same condition to your children or? No, the birth control is like a way to kind of, um, like balance or regulate your hormones and kind of. Oh, I see from a hormonal point of view. Yeah. From hormonal and like to kind of try to give you a cycle or regulate a cycle and get that happening for you. I thought it was more insidious than that. So I'm so pleased. Uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) And how did your parents react? Were they, did they have to adjust to that as well? Um, To the, to my PCOS? Yeah. And that's can't be, I mean, you want your, the best Mm -hmm. for your children and. I'm not actually sure. That's a good question. Um, I don't know that they, I mean, it kind of at the same time I came out as a lesbian. So I think that kind of maybe overshadowed the impact. <laughs> of I think maybe that was more their focus. Are you an only child? I'm not. I'm an, I'm the oldest of three and growing up, my family was a foster family. So we had a lot of kids come and go from our home uh, for most of my childhood. Wow. It's a busy house. That sounds amazing. And so tell me a little bit more about you. Some, well, actually, this is probably a, a good idea to talk about your, some of your fabulous things. Um, did you perhaps think about that? I'm really intrigued just to know a little bit more about you. So let's, let's have two of your most fabulous things. Okay. So number one is my hat. <laughs> I wear my hat all the time. The first thing I put on in the morning and the last thing I take off before I go to bed Um why do you wear the hat? Is it obviously to do with your hair? And is it perhaps now become a signature statement? Kind of a signature statement, but it's honestly, it's more about comfort. There is a feeling for me that I feel when I put my hat on and it's like my head gets a hug. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much because I love hats as well. And yeah. I, I actually did my hair, especially for the podcast and the, and the interview series today. But normally my hair looks awful. And But I love hats anyway. So normally the hats cover bad hair. But um, a hug for my head. What did you say? I, I love that yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah, a hug for my head. I mean, I wouldn't say it. Like, I don't think I have bad hair. 
Um, I have thinning hair for sure. It's definitely thinning. Um, but I kind of, I started with a hat also for like to use as energy protection, kind of. I like, yeah, to just kind of protect myself. You know, we have like items. I don't know if you do that where you kind of use it as a way to, um, I don't know, I kind of keep my energy to me, even though I know energy is much bigger, um, but it just kind of helps me feel more centered. Maybe. I love that. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. It's awesome. And do you have long hair underneath all of that? Uh, it's, about, it's about Oh, like I see. More, okay. Yeah. I was just in. Growing out. Yeah. Gorgeous. Okay. Number two. Number two. I'm, I'm going to sh show you. <gasps> Even better. It's super simple. Flip flops. Oh, yes. <laughs> So these flip-flops, look how thin they are. Like, so they're well-worn, well-loved. They've yeah. got lots of stories to tell. And they're really, really light. And the reason that these are like my signatures, I have like two pairs. I have a pair that I wear in the house all day, kind of my like indoor, outdoor. And then my like going out, same, but I just don't wear them in the house. <laughs> um, and they're so thin and light, which I like because I really just like heavy shoes. Like I feel like that holds your feet to the floor and you can't really move very well and I love to feel the ground beneath me so with these shoes they're so thin that I can feel everything I can feel every stone that I step on or you know in my house if there's something on the floor like I can feel it I feel the ground supporting me through my shoes so you really are a bit of a comfort person the comfort the hug for your head and the yeah. hug for your feet <laughs> I really I am Okay, well, let's go to three, four, and five and see if there's there's more of the theme coming through. Interesting. Okay. Um, so number three, my third one is my sweet grass incense. I am Métis, and sweet grass is one of the sacred medicines. And in our home, sweet grass is the smell. We light an incense in the morning, and we do our gratitude list, uh, kind of say, miigwech, thanks for the day. Uh, even my son's now the one who gets to blow it out and he's pumped every day to blow out the incense. And um, the smell of it is really comforting. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it really <laughs> is sacred medicine and it yes. is comforting. You're right. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and for me, I am a cancer as my sign. And so typically that's um, like a crab. Uh, I am drawn to water. And for me, one of my definite fabulous five items is having a three or four hour bath, which is a long time. And I like to do that weekly. You are speaking my language. Bathing is one of my favorite things to do in the whole world. Do you have some kind of a sort of routine around it? Do you like have candles, anything like that? Um, I do moon water. So I collect moon water on the full moon normally. Uh, and then Can you I tell add me more about water. that. I have no idea what moon water is. Okay, so it does. So, um, right what I do is like put out moon water to water. Water has memory, and um, and holds memory. So it, I kind of see it as moon water. Like it, I put it out on the full moon, and then the water gets cleansed and energized by that moon power. Um, one of the things that I've done in my own self healing journey to kind of reconnect to my femininity is reconnect to the moon and the cycles of the moon and follow them and try to incorporate them into my life as much as possible. Uh, the moon water is a way to kind of, you can drink moon water. 
Uh, you can put it in your bath, you know, use it for tea, use it for cleaning your home to cleanse. There are so many uses. It is, it is, it is fabulous to meet you. So how do you collect it? How do you create it? I, I just put it in a, I smudge a jar first, like a, like a mason jar, and then just fill it up with water and put the lid on. And then I put it out in the, in the moon, like just outside. And then that energy from the moon just infuses into the water. And then before the sun comes up, I take that jar and I pack it up so that no other light gets to it and then set it away. So you have to, you have to bring it inside before the sun, before sunrise. I think so. I mean, I think, I think it's more about intention, but um, that's to just what I do. I love that. And so what would you say are the benefits of that? What, what does it do? Um, it's energetics somehow. Yeah. I feel like it's cleansing It's kind of um, depending on the moon, uh, what I kind of go with, like, what is the moon of the month? You know, and what does that symbolize? I didn't know there were different moons yeah. other than sort of quarter moon and half moon and full moon. And okay. moon. I mean, I know there's a few phases of the moon. Is there anything more than that? Yeah. Well, every month the moon is different. Like there's, there's, a snow moon and I'm honestly still learning all of the different because there's so much you're right there's the phases which are all different um you know there's different uses there's different I'm finding that there's different things that like my body goes through at each different phase of the moon and different times that like it seems like when the moon is going down um, and getting smaller it's, it's kind of like, I feel that in my body too. Those are my times where I tend to retreat. And then uh, as the moon's building up to a full moon, I find like I have more energy naturally. And I think that that's the connection to the moon. And like, we're both, you know, building that energy back up. That is so interesting because that's, uh, I've set the intention for myself. One of the intentions for myself is to be more intuitive, listen more to, to my body, be more intuitive, listen to my intuition. Because I don't, re- I'm not that connected with my body. I, mm. I don't really, I've never felt those things. I never feel when it's new moon. I never feel, and people often say to me at yoga or whatever, how was your, your moon or whatever? Are you feeling all right? And how, you know, and I, I didn't know the difference. <laughs> Yeah. So obviously there's a disconnect somewhere. So I really need to lean into that a bit more. I'm going to say that I, it is my belief that that is a common experience. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with that, like judgment around like witchcraft and women, like way back in the day and kind of how that was kind of like oppressed and uh, taken away, I'm going to yeah. say, or, or like hidden. Well, it's definitely something that we need to really bring out again, isn't it? Our femininity and all the magic that actually women have that we were suppressed for so long. I love that. I'm definitely going to try that. Thank you so much. And I think there's one more. One more is, uh, it's more an experience, but um, so I co-sleep with my son. Um, He has a little a little bed that attaches to my bed and he's been in it since he's a baby and so my my final fabulous thing is that in the mornings the very first thing when he that he does when he wakes up is he he wakes up and he sits up in his bed and he crawls across my king size bed from his bed and he I'm normally hugging a pillow on my side and he just crawls right across and like folds into you know that like little spoon of your big spoon and he does it every day and he says I love you mom I love you oh and just melts in and falls back asleep for like five minutes maybe but that little snuggle time in that 
that is there's no other feeling like that there is no other feeling in the world than a hug from your child particularly in the morning when they're so sleepy and warm and cozy and oh (laughs) how lovely and honestly enjoy that time it goes so quickly and um, how precious that's really really special he sounds like a really lovely little boy yes yeah does he go go to school not yet um he's they start at four here so he will go next year okay so tell me a little bit about your work I met my daughter when she was two and a half so I've this whole time I've been um a bit of a stay-at-home mom we had her 50 50 custody for a lot um, of the years and so I have spent a lot of my time as a mom even before my son Right. Uh, and I, in the past, have worked uh, supporting people. Um, I worked with people who have Parkinson's disease and I and their families um, and youth, uh, youth drop-in center at one point. Um, at, but the way that I really made my money in all of the years um, in my adult life, really, was I stayed home because um, shaving my face every day or every other day was really tough on my skin. Uh, so I worked from home as an artist and I sold, um, what I did is paint little figurines that are wooden. Um, and then people would send me their pictures of their, of them and their family. Like they would send like a picture from their wedding. And then they would ask me to recreate that photo in peg people. They're called. I missed that. What they're called? Peg people. Peg people. Wow. Yeah, little wooden pegs. If you think of like those clotheslines. Oh, I see. Yes. Kind of like that similar and what do they do with them right they put them like display them in their house some people use them as cake toppers and um, they would send me photos like of uh their wedding dress and what what their um, husband or, or bride was going to wear and then I would do it for them to put on top of their cake uh, a lot of people just display them in their home or bring them out at Christmas some people um, I was surprised that People really actually like the customization of that and like to see their family or whoever created. Um, I originally started it as kids' toys, like for kids. So do you still do that? Is it still something you do? I will Can we buy one it, is what I'm asking. <laughs> I will do it for some clients that come back every year for Christmas, right. that like have somebody that they want um, to give it to. But I experienced after so many years of doing it, the, the peg people are typically really, really small. Um, I don't know, maybe like three inches right down to maybe like a half an inch. You'll have to send us a photo so we can put it into our Facebook page or something. Okay. So my, um, my hands started going numb from painting all, like holding them for so long and painting these tiny details. So it's actually much harder to do now. And I, now with my son, I don't have that time without him to really like get into tiny details so I find it difficult to do now which is um yeah a part of my switch I've kind of always been learning as I stayed home you know I I learned because I learned a lot of stuff I've just been researching and reading and watching other women and learning from other women and learning what we do as humans um to kind of prepare myself for this stage of my journey where I would was able to grow out my facial hair and then use it to empower other women to love the parts of themselves that they uh, haven't taught to hide. And so now I'm doing that as a female empowerment and mindset coach. It is, it is, it is.
to meet you. So you used to shave and then what happened where you decided to stop? Was there a moment? There was a moment where I realized that I deserve to be seen as myself. And what triggered that? Do you know? Was there, was there a trigger? Was it just maybe a moment in time that there were so many things that happened and then it was just the straw that broke the camel's back, something like that maybe? Um, well, I, I knew that I always wanted to get to the point where I could be brave enough. So it was kind of like a goal that I had in my, in my mind, like one day I'm going to be brave enough. One day I'm going to be able to do it. Because I worked at home, yes. I was able to let my facial hair grow. So I would let my facial hair grow for like three to five days until I had to leave the house to go somewhere. And then I would shave it or remove it. Um, and so there was this day where my partner at the time I was married and they said, we need to go to the grocery store. Let's come or let's go. And I said, I was like three days into my facial hair. And I was like, I, I really don't want to shave my face just to go and get that loaf of bread or whatever. And they said, you can wait in the vehicle. And normally I didn't do that, but I was like, okay, sure, this time I'll do it. And so sitting in the vehicle at the grocery store and I'm like rocking out to my music, just waiting for them to come back out. And I, out my window, saw one of my favorite aunts coming down the parking lot with her cart and my uncle was with her. And there was that moment where, you know, we locked eyes and I was like, oh, okay they've is, never seen you this, unshaven never they didn't even I don't even think that she knew I hadn't been vocal at that point except for with my cousins or family that have also experienced this they knew but I, everyone didn't know so I kind of rolled down my window a little bit and I said I yelled out the window just so you know I have my beard on as kind of like a, <laughs> to warn them so that don't <laughs> You know, at which I realize now, like, she probably was like, what? Like, I don't know what that means. But she came over to the window. And as soon as she looked in the window and saw me, she looked at my uncle and she said, I'm going to call him Steve. I was calling Steve. She said, Steve, don't come over here. You don't need to see this. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And, and I love my aunt. Even now, I love my aunt. She but was just that, being herself, wasn't she? She just didn't know. Absolutely. You mean? You know, she's in her like 60s, probably. She she is a product of her environment. And she, as a woman, has also, I'm sure, you know, been trained to have views of women. Absolutely. And it was in that moment, though, that I realized that like one thing is that I, I didn't feel any more awkward or less awkward than I feel on the regular, which is pretty awkward. Yeah. I just generally feel awkward with or without my facial hair um but I realized that I saw her shame in that moment and her judgment and that and inside me you know little me I that's a a lot of my work that I do with myself and with my clients is about like little you young you your inner child and little me was like hmm I do deserve to be seen and I was like yes we do we absolutely do deserve to be seen and so many women, you know, hide that we experience this because there's so much shame attached to it. And it's really hard to talk about. And I thought it was in that moment that I was like, I deserve to be seen. And we all deserve to be seen for whoever we are, 
for all of the parts of ourselves. As long as they're not hurting anyone, I want to be clear, as long as we're not hurting anybody, we deserve to be seen as we are. Exactly. And do you think um, there is less judgment these days than there was perhaps before? And perhaps because of the bearded lady in um, a fabulous musical, which is one of my favorites, The Greatest Showman, that must have been quite lovely for you to see. You know, people tend to say that, but for me, it had the opposite effects because the only time that bearded women are represented is in the circus where they're a circus like freak, which has its own shame built in there. Like the only way, the only place that you do fit is to be that like kind of like exposed thing at the circus. Right. I would say the thing that that really helped me was other actual real women. Um, who who have taken this journey before me. There's like a um, Harnam Carr, I think. Uh, she's a model and in the UK and she like has been growing her beard for years, um, kind of with the, I didn't grow up with the internet. Um, we didn't really like have that in our home until late. So with like the internet and becoming more popular and access to, to all different people, I think that that's the the real thing is I was like, okay, I joined some Facebook groups, you know, about PCOS and then the women there that weren't growing out their facial hair, but that experience also, um, that was like the the representation really. Um, I think that makes it easier. So in a way, yes, that movie, I think, and them showing that there is a bearded woman, I think that that does help other people people to kind of be like oh this is a thing right so from that point of view yeah yeah I would say and there are like there are other bearded women I have pictures throughout my house of one bearded woman who was like alive in like the 1800s and she was like rocking her beard and was known where she lived as like the bearded woman and she was so proud of it and I thought it was really actually probably the discovery of her and her journey. And I thought like, she tried to make this a normal thing in like the 1800s. That's like, amazing. Here we are. <laughs> I feel like it's normalized yet. Yeah. No, some things take a bit longer <laughs> than others. But I mean, yeah. What I love about you is that you, you I mean, it, it just makes you stand out so much, you know, and, 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 you know, when you're in this sort of industry of marketing online, it's so difficult to be distinctive and to stand out. And, you know, everyone's trying to do, you know, positioning and, and work on their brand and all that sort of thing. And here you are just by who you are, you are just so unique. And so I just love the fact that you're really, really leaning into it. And, um, so I want to ask you, just tell me a bit more again about what you're doing now. So that was before. And now you've started, what are, are you doing courses? Are you, how, how are you working? Yeah, so right now I'm just doing, I'm doing one-on-one uh, individual coaching. Um, so I primarily work with women, um, some with PCOS, some with hirsutism, but also women who typically, uh, women who, um, whose expression or self-expression of their femininity, like where it just doesn't match up with that typical, like what we see as being feminine. Yes. My kind of overall uh, hope is to help women redefine what fe- what being feminine and femininity means to them, to kind of reconnect us to those parts. Um, and so I'm doing one-on-one coaching. I'm in the midst of developing my group program. Uh, I love to work with groups, so that's a big uh, that's a big goal and dream of mine. 
Um, I've done that work in the past and I really want to bring that forward in this way. Uh, so, and I am creating community kind of, I feel like that's actually like where a lot of and most of my energy is going uh, to try to get my face out in the world to be like, this is a thing. Women have beards and they can love themselves. Um, and while also kind of collecting people, I guess, who need to hear that message or want to hear that message. Oh, I love that. And we desperately, we desperately need community now, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, I was telling um, a guest that I was speaking to yesterday, um, my idea for this podcast, Fabulous to Meet You, was about highlighting what fabulous looks like in all its different guises. You know, it's it's such a big thing it, it, but fabulous comes in all different shapes and sizes and things and that's uh, and everyone is fabulous in their own way and that's really what I wanted but one of the things that I hadn't realized um is that th- the message is also about be- meeting people and this is what I want to communicate as well that it's actually quite easy to meet people and if you just put yourself a little bit out there and you introduce yourself and you extend your hand you know to people strangers who become your friends you know, we, we can combat loneliness. There's, there's such a, a pandemic of loneliness in the world. And why is that? You know, we all need to be com- creating community like there used to be years ago. We, we are, we, we function better in community. And actually, I think all of us need to t- play that role. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, I know that isolation is one of the things that I struggled with throughout the years of, you know, when you're hiding away um, because you're like ashamed of different things, whether it's your mental illness or, or your facial hair or whatever, whatever reason you're hiding, people are hiding. We hide away in our homes and we just, you know, do our things without realizing, or maybe we know how lonely we are or how desperately we want to connect. But I think maybe we're telling ourselves that we, that we don't fit in or that we can't connect with others when the reality is maybe we're just not trying because I'll tell you anytime that I have tried to connect with people since growing out my facial hair it has been overwhelming the amount of people who have extended their hands to me and who have connected really it's been amazing and I realized it was before I wasn't doing that Yes. You know, I, I wasn't putting myself out there because I was ashamed. And now that I am, I realize that, you know, oftentimes we're the ones holding ourselves back. Exactly. And you will come across some people who perhaps don't give you the reaction that you would like, but those are not your people. You yeah. can just move on. You did your thing. You move on because there will be more than enough people who will be so happy that you actually made the first move and <clears throat> excuse me <coughs> and wish that they had and that they had the courage and the confidence to do it. Yeah. So I think that's amazing. And just coming back to your idea there that, um, you know, we all kind of feel different and it don't quite fit in. I uh, went on a group, um, a, a girl's group. There were six of us. We went on a holiday. We do that quite often. And we were sitting around the table once and I'm not sure how, who started it, but one of us said, you know, I always feel like I'm the odd one out in this group because I'm X, Y, Z. And, you know, I'm feeling, you know, quite vulnerable about that. And it was like a sharing moment, you know, as what happens with girls groups. And then the sec- somebody else said, actually, I'm the one that doesn't fit in because of X, Y, Z. And then the third one said, no, no, what are you talking about? I don't fit in. And all oh. six of us thought that we didn't fit in. And I thought that was so interesting. 
you know, yeah. we always, yeah, think that everybody else has got it figured out. Everybody else knows what they're doing and, and they've, yeah, but we're all the same. We're all in the same boat, aren't we? Yes, we absolutely are. I, I would say that's like, that's the classic experience right there. I've got one more question for you. I want to, I'm curious to know about your style because I can see a little bit about what you're wearing on the top. How do you, what do you dress? What sort of clothes light you up and do, do people with P PCOS struggle with that in terms of what they wear? Do they want to wear feminine clothes and feel they can't or how does it work? Hmm. So multifaceted that question. Um, I would say, so my experience with women who have PCOS is that um, there are so many parts of the syndrome that, that kind of feel like they're, they've taken away from your femininity um, that like it's it's a real struggle of how to be feminine or feel feminine um, so for for me um, part of my femininity is definitely how I dress um, I I mean I wear dresses and skirts because I like them and because I feel like pants constrict me like I don't feel like nice. <laughs> move as well in pants which um I like how skirts and dresses like feel on you like when they flow and and moving throughout the house and kind of like I like that you know a skirt is like a kind of like an apron you know like there's like a lot of fabric to have one on right now I know you can't see that but um I like flowy and I like girly stuff and before I fully accepted my facial hair I felt like I couldn't be that part of myself because of this and then I wasn't happy with myself um so I do I dress I dress a bit weird I like shawls I like comfort like you said I'm I'm all about comfort so I have a lot of comfortable flowy clothes uh, I'm I'll say my grandmother uh taught me that we don't need bras so i typically don't even wear a bra and i can't stand them right? I, haven't, I haven't worn one for 15 years I, I can't i don't know why we do that to ourselves <laughs> i think it's just because they somebody said we should i know really but my grandmother was like out in her garden you know braless and barefoot and i try to harness her as much as possible um it sounds like my kind of woman even though i love all this stuff and and you know there are times when I, I don't want it and I just want the opposite, which is really, really lovely. Yeah. Oh. I, I love, I love clothes. I love to dress girly, to dress feminine, flowy, but I, I'm also, uh, I also try not to participate that much in consumerism. So I am a person who shops like at secondhand stores and I have the same clothes for years. You yeah. sound like me, honestly. I call secondhand shops eco-boutiques. Oh. So my favorite thing is to go treasure hunting in eco-boutiques and just find that one beautiful, amazing item. And I feel no guilt because it's been worn before. It doesn't have an impact on the earth and I can enjoy it. And it's such fun, isn't it? Just to find really that particular is. item. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I love your style too, especially that necklace. is so. Oh, thank you. Well, this is Shungite. And apparently it's good for, I don't know, electromagnetic things that I can't feel either, but I just, yeah, I like the way it looks. <laughs> so um, 
just to end off, I just want to say you are a true inspiration. Um, you are honestly the epitome of what I love to teach people, and that is that there are no rules. We are all fabulous. We can all look fabulous and feel fabulous and do fabulous the way we are. We don't need to look a certain way to feel fabulous and look fabulous. We don't need to be young to be fabulous or thin or old or fat or whatever. There's no rules at all. Don't wait until tomorrow to feel fabulous or look fabulous or whatever. Just get out there and do it and have fun and don't take life so seriously and just lean into who you are because there will be other people who will look at you. And if you can just be who you are, like you are, you inspire others just to be themselves. And it's just the energy just flows around the world, isn't it? That is so true. And I, I would almost say that um, to that the things that look the most fabulous and like portray being fabulous are actually those people that are comfortable in themselves and yes. they're able to just be like I am me and then their style you know comes out and who they are you can see it on the outside and that's actually what's fabulous it is it's got nothing to do with clothes actually mm-hmm. I mean you know and I hate that word image um it's not about image and clothes are not actually about clothes. Clothes are about self-expression and it's, they're art materials. And that's how I see them. So, you know, I call myself a transformational style activator and mm-hmm. I help people with clothes, but I never tell them what to wear because it's not about what you wear. And no. uh, so it's a funny old thing, but um, thank you so much for being in the world. You are amazing. Um, I'd love to support you in any way I can. And if people want to find you, where would they look for you online? So they can find me on Instagram at Bearded Lady G. Um, and Facebook, I you can find Bearded Lady G also, uh, or my name, Genevieve Bioncore. Uh, I also have the community that I'm building where women, it's for women, um, so any women can find me there at Radical Self-Love Sisterhood. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really fabulous to meet you. And uh, I hope we can keep in touch. Glad to meet you. Fabulous to meet you. Do, 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 do.